The scene is Germany around the year 1440. If you wanted a copy of a document, a book, a Bible, you had to write the copy by hand. Think monks at desks in a scriptorium. There were printing presses, but the letters were hand-placed in a frame, inked, and paper or cloth was pressed against the letters using what was called a screw press. Not very efficient. Johannes Gutenberg, a goldsmith, thought that there had to be a better way. And he invents this more efficient way, a movable type printing press. The old way, either hand copying or the old screw press where the letters were hand placed and inked, you could do about 40 copies a day. The movable type printing press, 3,600 pages a day. It literally launched a revolution. It became easier to share information, ideas, The Protestant reformer Martin Luther used the Gutenberg printing press to make a German-language version of the Bible available to the public. Previously, it was in Latin, which few everyday people could read, and each church had approximately one Bible, and it was so valuable because they were hand-copied. It was often chained to the altar or pulpit so no one could steal it. Luther also used Gutenberg's invention to print and distribute his ideas in the form of pamphlets, which were mass-printed and made available first across Germany and then across all of Europe. Between 1517 and 1546, Luther's publishers in Wittenberg turned out at least 2,721 works, an average of 91 per year, which represented around 3 million individual copies at the beginning of the 16th century. The world was inching toward becoming a global village. Loved ones, what's going on? I'm Bruce, and this is A Bigger Story. So now let's fast forward to 1890 in the United States. An electrical and mechanical engineer and inventor, Nikola Tesla, begins working. You ready for this? Around 1890, begins working on the first Wi-Fi network. I know. He was convinced that he could develop a wireless conduction field that would be able to distribute electricity wirelessly. In a 1926 interview with Collier's Magazine, Tesla said of this crazy wireless idea of his, when wireless is perfectly applied, the whole earth will be converted into a huge brain. We shall be able to communicate with one another instantly, irrespective of distance. Not only this, said Tesla, but through television and telephony, we shall see and hear one another as perfectly as though we were face to face, despite intervening distances of thousands of miles. And the instruments through which we shall be able to do this will be amazingly simple compared with our present telephone. A man will be able to carry one in his vest pocket. Nikola Tesla, 1926. He was clearly a prophet, and his vision described what would become a global village. And all that phrase, by the way, a global village, pretty catchy, right? It was coined by Canadian media philosopher Marshall McLuhan, in 1962, in a book titled, are you ready? The Gutenberg Galaxy. McLuhan saw the whole world becoming more connected by technology, global commerce, 
global migration, globalized culture. And there seemed to be this idealized notion that this would be a universally good thing, the world coming together, sharing ideas, sharing culture, becoming more united. Not sure why that was the prevailing sense, except that maybe enough of us are optimists by nature. But all you'd have to do is look back at that first step in the 16th century when Gutenberg's printing press helped Martin Luther and other Protestants advance the Protestant Reformation. Just look back at that to know that this massification of print media resulted in more tribalized Christianity, more wars fought over whose Christian tribe was the right tribe, wars to force unity rather than to tolerate never mind embrace, diversity. Even today, talk about ideas like diversity, equity, and inclusion, and someone will get angry and call you woke, as if being awake is a bad thing. And nothing so far has offered up the possibility of a global village more than social media. And we know how that's working out. If there is a global village emerging from social media, it seems more like a village of trolls. And that may be because, in part, too many of us seize on these trans-global technologies as an opportunity to put forward our personal, individual ideas, no matter how well or not we've thought them through, or even regardless if our ideas are supported by actual facts. And so we yell at each other with capital letters and memes designed to ridicule those whose ideas don't match our own. Add to that that the ones already in power have a tendency, you may have noticed, throughout human history to preserve power by homogenizing difference, with the baseline being the culture of the dominant power. Assimilate. Be like us. So often, the global village feels more like a global battleground. We figured out the technology, but we seem to be a long way off from figuring out how to use it for healing, coming together. In fairness, yes, the globalizing effects of technology have helped us at least to be more aware of where there's suffering in the world. And there are, thankfully, people of goodwill who will attempt to relieve that suffering when they notice it and see it when it comes to their attention. Now, I've said all that to say this. Not only are there people of goodwill engaging the global village to identify and relieve suffering in the world we all occupy, but some, maybe even many of these people, are faith leaders. Religion, including, but not only Christianity, seems to get a lot of bad press, well-deserved much of the time, but less attention gets paid to some pretty cool religious people, leaders, and others who are working to help the global village be a healthier, more thriving, and more flourishing village. The week before the recording of this episode, November of 2022, Pope Francis and Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, Ahmad Al-Tayeb, are meeting for what has been called a dialogue for East and West human coexistence. You see, it turns out that Pope Francis and the Grand Imam have become close friends over the years. They've met at least nine times personally. And they co-wrote in 2019 a document called The Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace and Living Together, a Roman Catholic and a Muslim. 
And this document has been endorsed by several Middle Eastern countries, including Egypt, Timor-Leste, which has known its share of serious violence in the last decades, and also the United Arab Emirates. In his America Magazine article, America Magazine is a magazine published by Jesuits, Gerard O'Connell interviewed Mohammed Abdul Salam, the Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Elders. And he said that this meeting between the Pope and the Grand Imam was taking place at a time of serious disturbance in the world, marked by many conflicts and global concern for the future of the planet. And he also said that people need to see religious figures meet together to discuss the issues that are of concern to all, and especially to emphasize the need to maintain and build peace. Hello. And this meeting between the Pope and the Grand Imam, not just esoteric theological language. It's gritty stuff. The Pope and the Grand Imam are working on together the threat of rising temperatures from climate change, food crises, water shortages, poverty, disease, pandemics across the globe. They are talking about practical things. And the Pope and the Grand Imam, they're leveraging their personal friendship that they've spent years developing. They're leveraging it for potentially healing work for the world. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, my home, there's an organization called Omnia, O-M-N-I-A, Omnia which provides global leadership training to religious and civic leaders who are committed to solving some of the world's most intractable problems, like racism, extremism, economic justice. And Omnia is an interfaith organization. Their chief mechanism for this work is the development of what they call interfaith peacemaking teams. And one of the goals of these teams is to transform religious extremism into interreligious cooperation by getting people of different faiths together in conversation with the object of winning hearts and minds through listening to each other, involving lay people to keep this relationship building from getting bogged down in religious clerics arguing over religious doctrine, which religious clerics are notorious for doing. Women and men, Buddhist, Muslim, Hindu, Christian, coming together in local places and who believe that love is stronger than hate and that justice, fairness, and cooperation are the tools for forging a good and peaceful life. I know. Go figure. So. If you've developed a jaundiced view of religion and of religious people, it's probably for good reason. In this episode, I wanted to try to accomplish two things. First, to highlight that for all the problems religion and religious people can cause in the world, there are more than a few who are working for peace and thriving and flourishing across the global village in ways that few others can. And secondly, I also wanted to highlight that whether you and I are popes and grand imams, 
or participants in on-the-ground interfaith peacemaking teams, or everyday people just struggling and maybe somewhat depressed or confused and concerned about all the divisions we see all around us, both close to home and far away, that just maybe the path to human thriving and flourishing, including our own, involves in part a recognition that the flow of divine energy and intention for love and healing in our world shows up most dynamically, most powerfully, when we do what the Pope and the Grand Imam are doing, what the interfaith peacemaking team members are doing, and what is that? Sitting with and getting to know and building relationships with those who are most different from ourselves. That is where the spirit of hope and love blows most powerfully. And that Marshall McLuhan guy that I mentioned, the one who coined the term global village, he also coined one other term that you've probably heard before. The medium is the message. The medium is the message. And the less we rely on social media as our medium, and the more we reclaim the notion of face-to-face, embodied, interpersonal relationships with one another, and especially with those most different from ourselves, that medium, the medium of ourselves, our love, our patience, our willingness to listen, to reason together, to hope together, to work together, the medium of ourselves doing those things turns out to be the best message. Stay in touch. Bruce at brucecole.tv. I'd love to hear from you. Remember, you are loved.